Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. So Linda, tell us about how a psychologist got involved in this kind of field of reincarnation, past lives, soul regression. How this all happened for you? Well, for me, I was unsuspecting, George. I was back in my, this will tell people how old I am, but which is fine. Um, I, was back, I was in my middle 40s. I was practicing as a general psychologist. I didn't know if I believed in reincarnation or not. It wasn't something I really thought a lot about, even though I'd done a lot of grief counseling. I'd been involved with hospice, but I wasn't, um, I, I didn't have a lot of awareness and knowledge about reincarnation. Very long story short, in 1993, my original psychologist colleague and friend, we built a group practice together of psychologists and psychiatrists. He passed at the age of 32 from a type of lung cancer. And yes, very sad, you know, from a human standpoint, horrendous. Um, He died in April of 93. And within a day or two, I started having experiences, spiritual experiences, that at first I thought, you know, maybe I was the one that needed a therapist or medication. But bottom line is I began to sense him around me. I I intuited that he was telling me things. And I began to believe that I was seeing scenes in my mind's eye, especially in the dark, like in bed at night or early morning. I was beginning to see scenes in my mind that I felt were past life scenes. And so just to finish the story, because I think it happened the way it was all meant to happen. Sure. Um, I, I, so I thought that was weird, George. I, I didn't know what to do with it, except that in my heart of hearts, I really believed I was sensing my colleague's energy. So anyway, I said to my husband, I'd already been married about 25 years at that point to the person I'm happily still married is, to. Is he a psychologist too, Earl? Um, uh, Earl Earl is a PhD in political science. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. So he's not a no. He's not a psychologist, but you know, both of us well educated. But we had never spoken about reincarnation at all. Um, so anyway, I said to Earl, who had known my colleague well, they were golf and lunch friends. Um, I, I I asked Earl to sit down, and I said, you know, the classic thing you might say to a spouse. I said honey, I need to tell you what's going on with me. If you think it's crazy, (laughs) I think I almost wanted him to say that. I said, you just tell me you think this is crazy. So I explained to Earl what I was experiencing. And he looked at me with this totally calm look. And I said, you don't seem to act like you think this is weird. And he said, no. So I said, why? And basically, Earl said, he said, apparently, I repressed what happened to me when I was a boy. And he said, when I was eight, nine, ten years old, I spontaneously remembered my past lives, they're all related to me. And he said, I knew details of my lives. I knew they were real. Don't ask me how I knew, but I did. But he said, back in the middle 50s um, in, you know, in central Oregon, who would believe me? So he said, I apparently just tucked it away. I never told anyone. He said, yeah. He said, well, I've always, I've always believed in past lives. So that made that it made it easy for you. That's for sure. It, it did. It did completely, completely. And I think that was really, George. I think that was meant to be. I, I think it was meant to happen like that. Sure. But um, did you ever, yeah. when you were developing your career, did you ever think you would get into that aspect of the field? 
Not in any way, shape, or form. No. I mean, I was, yeah, no. I, I, I was very involved, as I said. I had a general private practice. I did, you know, all types of therapy you might think a psychologist does. But my passion that I didn't really understand back then was death, dying, and grief work. I had no trouble being around someone who was dying. I'd actually, um, some years earlier, worked alongside a pediatric oncologist when I lived in a city in the Southeast, and I was the counselor for the kids and the families. And I think that was all a precursor, just a forerunner to what I was going to step into later on. But no, I had no, I, I had no designs on becoming a regression therapist who, you know, has been working with the soul now for, oh, I don't know, about 26, 27 years. What is, Linda, as far as you're concerned, the soul? Yeah, the soul, and and you know, I I I'll answer questions as candidly, George, as I can. And when I say to people, "Here's what I believe is true," this comes from client after client after client. So it's not you know something I uh, intuited, even though there's nothing wrong with that. So what is the soul? The the soul is an aspect of divine energy. The soul is, you might say, I like to say, the the soul is spun out of the Tao, it's spun out of the Creator, whatever word people want to use, God, Great Spirit, whatever word works for people. It's an aspect of the divine, but it the soul is designed to evolve. Our soul is not created in uh, perfection. And I think that's where uh, soul regression work sort of departs from some probably Western religious beliefs. Was the soul created, obviously, to attach to our bodies? I mean, what, what is its purpose? Very, you know, very simple. The soul is um, a, an aspect of how we evolve as, as, if we're focusing on Earth for a minute, which I know we'll, we'll depart from that too, but um, the soul has to incarnate in order to evolve. It's like the child has to go to school in order to learn. The soul does not learn at the, at the soul level, at the spiritual realm level. The soul learns in body, not out of body. Well, and they talk about what came first, the chicken or the egg. What, could, what right. did come first, the physical body or the soul? Oh, I think this, oh, I, I, I would say the soul more than, yeah, I would say the soul came long before the physical body. Um, souls, and we don't, you know, have to veer off yet, but souls incarnate on earth, but souls embody other than on earth, outside of earth, or what I call interplanetary. I had always believed, since I was a child, and I've always believed in reincarnation, that we reincarnate until we reach a level of perfection, and then we don't reincarnate anymore. There's no need to. What do you think of that? No. George, I think that is completely, uh, that's what I've learned from clients over these many years, is that people will say, well, okay, Linda, well, so what's the point? What are we evolving to what you know? What's the purpose of gaining this higher level of evolution? And um, 
the bottom line is that we are evolving to become a, a spiritual guide ourselves. And then, yeah, it's complicated, so try to make it, get it to make sense. When we come into body, we bring a slice, a fractal, a holographic portion, however you want to word that. We bring a piece, it's like a slice of pie, into our bodies that causes us to be alive. The remainder of our soul is our higher self, which remains in the spiritual realm. As we embody and as we grow and evolve lifetime to lifetime, and of course we trip and fall, and we can talk about that. We have free will on earth, so we, we, we sometimes don't make the best choices. But um, as we evolve, we gain wisdom and we gain more responsibility at the higher self level. So, yeah, we, we're, we're, we're seeking to evolve to a higher level, but that doesn't mean we're done. Linda Backman yeah. with us. A couple of her books include Souls on Earth, The Evolving Soul, Bringing Your Soul to Light. Linda, in terms of the evolution of a soul, how it progresses, if someone, let's say a despicable murderer, starts off on the bottom level of all of yeah. this, do they will they automatically reach that higher level of perception eventually? I mean, how many times do they even if they if they have to come back a hundred times, will they evolve to that perfection level of heaven, or do they just stay in this low area forever? Mm. Well, it, it, I think first of all, when you know people ask me that all the time, well, Linda, what about Hitler and Saddam Hussein? Yeah. And those those types of actions. So. First of all, I believe that's all free will choice, that the actions of, just to use Hitler as an example, those are free will choices. My understanding is that Hitler's actions weren't preordained, they weren't predestined, it was that human person making those choices. So, uh, uh, so theoretically, Hitler finishes his lifetime he then meets with what I like to call an a, 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 a interrogatory panel. He crosses his soul, leaves that body, the body of Hitler. He returns back, that slice of soul returns back to the spiritual realm and is met by a panel of highly evolved souls who question him. What did you do? What didn't you do? You know, how do you feel about those choices you made? If the soul um, owns up to their foibles, owns up to their, to their inappropriate choices, then they will be met with, you might say, less of a, uh, a negative response. If they don't own up to it, then my understanding is they are it's not that they're never allowed to reincarnate again. They are. Um, they're, but they're held at a lower level. We might, we might call it fourth dimension. We might call it a level in the astral plane. They, they, they are forced to... Is it hell? Well, uh, you know, I think that's a great question. In my 26, 27 years of guiding regression, I don't think the, the religious description of hell is is valid. I, I, I have never had a client cross, you know, leave the ending of a past life and cross over, return back to the spiritual realm and go to a place that fits with what we learn in Western religion as hell. But 
the hell is they're held. <laughs> I, I would say they're held accountable for their actions. What is an interplanetary soul, Linda? So an interplanetary soul is a soul that is created to primarily incarnate somewhere other than on Earth. Other than on Earth, okay. Yeah. In other words, my understanding is that when an interplanetary soul is created, is, is again, cre- created is the best word that I can come up with, that soul is designed to incarnate somewhere that is not Earth. But those souls do come to Earth because I've, I've had many of them as clients. Interesting take. Now, an angelic realm soul, what is that now? So maybe to make this a little bit more clear, hopefully, George, for people that are listening, um, my understanding is that there are three, I call it soul origin. So Three, three, three different types? Three different types of souls, correct. And they're created, you might say, in three different locations in the higher realm at a higher frequency. So there are souls designed to incarnate on Earth that I refer to as Earth-based souls. There are souls that are designed to be interplanetary. And there are souls that are designed to incarnate and become, forget the word incarnate, scratch that, that they are, the angelic realm souls are created in a different location, excuse me, and, and they are to be part of the angelic realm. That supports the divine. Were they part of the fallen angels that occurred uh, in the beginning of time? I, I, you know, I I would say no, okay. um, and and I think there's a lot of different opinions about the whole notion of fallen angels, um, and, and you know that whole concept. That no, they they are an angelic realm soul and. You know, we can go into these in a lot more detail because I've worked with angelic realm clients. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, go ahead. Yeah. A- an angelic realm soul is created to become part of the angelic realm that serves and supports the divine, and their energy is is one of pure love and compassion. That's the kind of the entire um, orientation of their energy. They don't incarnate frequently at all, but when they incarnate, they are they incarnate. I would say almost exclusively, if not exclusively, on Earth. Now, who created them? Oh, I, I mean, I would say they're created. Probably the best way to answer that is they're created by the Creator. They're created. You know, I'm not hung up on terminology, nor do I think that the work that I do is anti-Western religion. It doesn't, it it isn't necessarily anti-Western religion, but the, the, at a frequency that is perhaps higher than we can even, you know, perceive or or conceive, um, they are created by the Creator to serve the divine and with a very, <clears throat> excuse me, with a very pure sense of love and compassion. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.